Welcome to the Beyond Macros podcast, a show where we teach you about nutrition and the art of working in so that you can get the most out of working out. This week, I have a very special episode that touches on two topics I am passionate about, travel and personal finances. As a general rule, we encourage our clients at Beyond Macros to take steps to manage their stress levels. Reducing financial stress and traveling are two amazing ways to achieve those ends. I especially encourage all of my competitive athletes to take time during the off-season to decompress mentally and emotionally and get their ducks in a row financially so that they can make the sacrifices necessary during their season. Sometimes this means stepping away from training and rigid nutritional guidelines altogether, and that can be a difficult thing to do. In today's episode, I had a conversation with Frank Exarian, who was Beyond Macro's first coach other than myself. Frank is also the man who inspired me to dive deeper into educating myself about personal finance and traveling on a dime by maximizing experience over convenience. I feel fortunate to have Frank on our coaching staff and have had this conversation while he is on a months-long trip in Mexico. He is deep in the throes of travel right now and provides us with actionable insight about how to create the freedom in your life to travel long-term, how to stay financially in the black while on the road, and give specific recommendations about the best trips he has taken that are virtually free. Just a disclaimer that neither Frank nor I are investment advisors and don't pretend to be. We are fitness professionals, and what we talk about is simply anecdotal and is not intended to serve as investment advice. Take anything we say with a grain of salt and do your own research before making any investments of your own. Now let's chat with Frank and figure out how he does it. First, I think it's important for you to know why Frank has been in Mexico for the last few months and continues to travel there for a few more. I think it will give you some perspective about the experiences you can have traveling other than kicking your feet up at a beach and partying. Um, well, I'm half Mexican, which a lot of people don't know because um, I don't look Mexican. I look white. And so uh, my real name is Francisco and I am Mexican and fluent in Spanish, but um, I don't have a connection to Mexico. The last time I went here, I was eight years old to visit my great grandmother in Mexico City. So I've been to Costa Rica and Argentina and, you know, Spain and visited those countries, but I've never kind of really known Mexican culture, Mexican slang, Mexican, um, you know, way of life. So decided to take a break and just kind of put my jobs on hold in U.S. and just kind of took off and just with the plan of just being here for three months. And it's it's been perfect. I've gotten exactly what I wanted so far meet meet Mexicans, eat Mexican food. Um, know the accent, know the know the slang, and just kind of hang out and just live live the life here for a little bit. So I know you know how it is. As you can hear, Frank's trip is driven by a desire to learn and experience Mexican culture. In doing so, he is enriching his own life and developing knowledge and a familiarity with the Spanish language that will have an impact that outlasts the trip itself. Now let's consider where Frank has been and how much this trip is costing him. I got to Mexico about a month and a half ago, and I jumped from Mexico City to a farm outside of Mexico City and then to Tulum. Um, Those three spots, you know, were a little bit more expensive. And then I finally landed in Oaxaca. And as soon as I got here, you could just tell that Oaxaca is a little bit 
poorer as a state. And so the prices are all depressed a little bit. And so the, the prices for an expat are pretty incredible. So my apartment is $260 a month. And that's slightly overpaying. If I tried harder, I could get probably literally $200 or $150 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. Food is $1 to $3 a meal, depending on how street foodie I want to go to how much of a normal restaurant, but usually about 4 or $5 at the most. And I have food markets uh, two blocks away. I have cafes two blocks away. I have a gym, 500 pesos a month, which comes out to... $30 a month. As you can see, Franca isn't extreme couponing to find hotel deals and doing all-inclusive experiences. He has simply identified somewhere he wanted to go, and instead of splurging on hotel rooms and all-inclusive resorts designed to bring the comforts of home to the road, he is immersing himself in cultural experiences and taking the time to live in and experience the city of Oaxaca. Next, Frank and I discussed some of the ways he is making this trip happen from a financial perspective. I try not to make any um, monthly financial commitments. I try to make as little monthly financial commitments as possible. And what I mean is I try to avoid being stuck in a lease, like a yearly lease. If I can, I try to pay month to month rent informally, right? By paying to share a room or share an apartment with somebody. I don't have a car payment. Um, I own my car after college and I drive a scooter currently. So that is completely paid off for. And so I try to pay everything off in full and in cash as much as possible. And that way I don't have anything tying me down month to month, right? This trip would be a lot different if I had to pay $1,200 rent back home for my apartment and five, $600 for my car payment every month too. I think at any given time, I have the freedom to make this decision where other people don't. And um, other people only have that freedom when they lose their job or they're between leases or just things work out perfectly um, with their expenses to be able to do it or they have to pay extra. That's one part. I think another answer would be working remotely, right? Trying to get any remote work. I feel like a typical millennial sometimes when I say that I'm working remotely in Mexico or Oaxaca, when like I never purposely tried to be this remote worker, but it ended up happening. I've been very fortunate and grateful. And so I've taken advantage of the opportunity because it, it presented itself kind of unexpectedly. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, if you can have passive investments, my rental property income that I, that I have, but that kind of helps too. We'll pick back up with Frank's explanation of how passive income from his rental property has helped fuel his travel and I just want to highlight what he is saying here and give some context for people who might not yet have a remote working opportunity or don't want to leave your career so that you can take a trip. The first point he made to get rid of or minimize monthly payment commitments is huge. It's really tough to travel long term if you are stuck in a lease, car payments, car insurance payments, etc. For my own travel plans, getting rid of my lease, utility payments, car insurance, and condensing everything into a $70 a month storage unit means I have plenty of budget freed up for experiences or investments to actually support those experiences. The next step, remote work, isn't always possible depending on your career. But for a deep dive into how to create this freedom, even if you have a nine to five in an office, check out the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss for a more detailed action plan. 
Now, we will dive into one possible avenue for passive income that Frank and I have taken advantage of, owning a rental property. You know, I had extra money laying around that was enough for a small down payment of a $100,000 home uh, somewhere in the Midwest. I knew I wanted to buy a home somewhere on the East Coast or in the Midwest where homes are very, very cheap. And that's something where I changed my mind and actually deviated from Mr. Money Mustache you know, for four or five years, I swore by index funds and said I would never, ever invest in a rental property. Um, but then I kind of looked at it and was kind of like, you know what? The numbers look good and I have the money and I want to diversify a little bit. And rental income is so attractive because, you know, every single month, if this home were to be paid off, uh, it's a $100,000 home, uh, $950 comes in rent each month. So if this thing were completely paid off for, there'd be you know, 8,000 a year coming in automatically for no reason because someone else is paying rent to me. So 4,000 a year for taxes and insurance total. And so that would, if it's a thousand a month, it'd be 12,000 a year minus the four would be 8,000 left over. My ultimate goal now is to actually have a couple of rental income, still majority stock. But then once you have that rental income coming in, just like the remote income, uh, you can go anywhere you want and the money, the money gets deposited in your bank account. Having remote work and passive income can be massive liberators when it comes to living a lifestyle based on personal freedom and experience. The formula pretty much comes down to maximize income, minimize expenses. The name of the game for financial independence is to maximize your income and minimize your expenses so that you have savings so that you can invest. But issues can arise when you overly obsess on budgeting and minimizing expenses. Frank talks about the way he forms good habits by reviewing his finances in retrospect so he doesn't live constrained by budgets. I don't usually make budgets ahead of time. I calculate everything I spent and made for the month before and add those two up and then see how I shook out. You know, last month I did it. Tomorrow is the is the first of August. So I'll do it tomorrow. I try to do it on the first of every single month. And I actually like that because then I don't live by budgets and I don't really think in terms of like saving ahead of time. It's more like how much did I save the previous month and what do I want to change the following month? And, you know, if there's expenses that are too much, like this trip, uh, Mexico City was a little bit more expensive, for example. And so now that I'm in Oaxaca, like my finances completely changed for this trip and I can actually kind of like lower my average for the whole trip so that in retrospect, uh, my whole entire trip might cost like $2,000 total for three months. In the financial independence, early retirement communities, there are a lot of people who derive lots of pleasure from minimizing their expenses to an extreme degree. Sometimes this frugal to a fault attitude is a badge of honor in these communities. Frank found himself in this position, but has since learned a very important lesson. Full disclosure, I'm that other type of person that gets pleasure out of minimizing expenses like as far as I can. So I'm super guilty of that. And I'm constantly trying to figure out uh, where I can spend more money actually to, to increase quality of life because I know that there's things that I could actually pay money for that would actually probably make me happier. Did you hear that? There are probably areas where you could increase the amount of money you spend, which will make you happier. Whether you are frugal to a fault 
or you are not quite sure where your paycheck disappears to, it's worth examining your life and your finances to determine where, if you spent more money, you could increase your happiness. Moment of silence here for you to consider what that is for you. Welcome back from your moment of contemplation. Now let's jump back in and finish up the episode. As I promised, we will now discuss the best trips Frank has experienced for little to no money and how you can explore similar options. The first trip he mentions is one I have done and was both a beautiful experience seeing the Pacific Coast Highway and a major physical challenge that tested my endurance in a way I'd never experienced before. Such a great growth opportunity, probably not the best way to relax or recover if you're a competitive athlete. First one I did was probably biking the California coast. I biked the California coast from San Francisco to San Luis Obispo. I only had six days. So that's as far as I could get. I averaged about 43 miles per day. I did like 250 miles total. You know, I've done like car camping and and things like that. And so I don't know if people know this, but almost every California state park has hiker biker sites that are $7 a site. It's normally $40 a night. So it's $7 a night. And it's without any reservation and and cash. So you roll up on your bike, they see you on your bike, they instantly can tell you're you're backpacking it, you're roughing it, and they they just say hiker biker, and you say yes, and you hand them seven dollars, and they tell you where to go. So um, that trip was amazing because um, that trip was six days and cost me uh, I think six hundred dollars total. So it was like a one week trip and took me six hundred six hundred dollars total. It's fifty dollars for the bus to get up to San Francisco from LA. And I had to buy a new seat post for $100. And then hiker biker sites are $7 a night. Firewood is $7 a night. Food, a couple beers. Um, I think I spent $350 on food and beers the whole, the whole trip. And there was a $100 train ride from San Luis Obispo back to downtown LA. You know, that was definitely a win. That was, I had a one week off between two jobs. And, you know, I finished on a Friday and I took off that next Saturday to San Francisco and just did it really quick. So it was very last minute. I remember weighing my options. I was going to go to Nicaragua to go surfing. I wanted to go to Santa Barbara to go surfing or to do this bike trip. And the waves weren't hitting in Santa Barbara. So and then Nicaragua was going to be a little more expensive than I wanted. So then I just I just went with the. I just went with a bike trip. The next two trips Frank talks about are great because they are virtually free. For six years, I was actually a YMCA camp counselor for a high school caravan. So the Culver Culver Palms YMCA every year does a two-week caravan where they they take uh, 40 high school kids, so 13 to 17 years old, and uh, drive all the way some years to Yellowstone. So we go all the way to like Montana and Yellowstone, the Grand Teton. So and that trip is a uh, volunteer food is paid for cars paid for and campsites are paid for and you camp everywhere you go. But I mean, I've gone to Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, um, Santa Cruz, um, half moon Bay in the West coast. And then I've also gone to the grand Tetons and Yellowstone on another trip. One year we went to the grand Canyon Zion uh, Las Vegas and Havasu. So, I mean, a lot of the places that I've actually seen and been to and, and talked to people about all the time are trips that I actually went with the YMCA for free. And I think I spent $300 on the two weeks total. So I did that for six years. So 
definitely budget budget traveling if you're willing to work a little bit and just hang out with some kids. It's not even work. The kids are super cool. And you just hang out and just be a mentor. And it's a super positive, positive experience. If these YMCA trips sound interesting to you, Frank told me that the easiest way to get involved is to volunteer with the YMCA, meet the program director, show them that you're not a sketchy individual. And when they're looking for volunteers for these trips, you will get the call. It's also an awesome opportunity to be a mentor, which is a reward in itself. Another free travel experience Frank had on his current Mexico trip is something that appeals to me big time. If you are interested in learning where your food comes from and helping out on organic farms in exchange for food and housing, Woofing, which stands for Worldwide Organization of Organic Farms, is the perfect opportunity. Just go to www.oof.net to find a farm that tickles your fancy. It's like couchsurfing.com. You just hook up with farms that are listed and you agree to work four hours a day in exchange for housing and food. So they feed you three meals a day and they give you free housing. And I hooked up with this farmer an hour outside of Mexico City. She's a chicken farmer, organic chicken farmer. And so she had 700 chickens and that produced like 100 eggs a day. And she she's one of the farmer's market people that goes to Mexico City every weekend on Saturdays and Sundays and sells her organic eggs. So if you go to like an organic farmer's market in the United States, like if you look at those farmers, like I was living on one of those farms and uh, it was super, super cool. Um, the woman that hosted me was amazing. I got super lucky. I think I went to like one of the best farms in Mexico. And I'm not just saying that. She fed me the most delicious home-cooked Mexican meals I've ever had. And she she would ask me every night what I wanted. She's like, what do you want? And I and she I say, what do you have? And she'd list like six things. Like I have chicken, I have beef, I have steamed vegetables, I have quesadillas, I have empanadas. And I'd be like, I want all of them. And she's like, okay. And she would literally have like six pots cooking and we would have like three hour dinners and just, and it was just me and her living in this farm by ourselves. Actually, she had two hired hands that would leave at the end of the day. And me and her lived in the home um, by ourselves and hours and hours of conversation and eating and food. And I've never been on a farm before. So I don't, again, like just like the Viking trip, I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't even do a good job, but I know a lot more about farming now and planting and harvesting and about uh, collecting chicken eggs. So, I mean, it was totally worth it. And for two weeks, my cost was zero. I like literally didn't even leave the farm for two weeks and like didn't even spend a dime. Obviously, these trips aren't glamorous resort getaways where you kick your feet up and sit my ties. What these trips lack in luxury, they make up for tenfold in experience and opportunities for personal growth and learning. I believe, and this is just my opinion, that these are the experiences that stick with you forever. Easy and relaxing trips definitely have a very positive effect in the moment, but that effect only lasts for a short period of time, and I found these trips to be very forgettable, and they don't really lead to much personal growth. If you're interested in what we've talked about in this episode— I think Frank very elegantly summarizes how you can maximize your experiences traveling while minimizing how much you spend. I believe when you don't make decisions based on convenience, prices dramatically drop and opportunities dramatically increase. At any given time, if you're making a purchasing decision 
and convenience is one of the most major factors, you're always going to pay more money. And before we wrap up the episode, I want to share with you some parting words from Frank. I don't think I'm an expert in this subject, but I think I am a great real world example, like especially someone who hasn't made a lot of money. Like I don't make a ton of ton of money in life, but I've been able to make it work. So people at my same income level can do it. People who make more than me can do it even easier than I can do it. So hopefully more people do it and just live the life that they want to live, moving purposely through the world based on your own choices than being forced by convenience. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Beyond Macros podcast. Frank and I talked about a number of resources, including books and blogs that have shaped both of our financial philosophies and mindsets around travel that didn't make it into this episode. What we're going to do is we will link to those resources in the show notes. So head over to beyondmacros.com slash seven. That's the number seven for that list. And if you want to follow Frank, he's actually a pretty humble and low-key guy. For the most part, he stays off social media. So your best bet is either to work with him in person or to sign up with Beyond Macros and get on his wait list. I'd also be super grateful if you would just take 90 seconds right now to go leave a review on iTunes for the Beyond Macros podcast. I personally do it for all of my favorite podcasts because it really does make a difference. It makes people able to discover the podcast and it also gives us the ability to get some really amazing guests to bring you the best shows possible. So if you could please go do that as soon as this episode's over, I would be super grateful. And of course, next week, I want to give you a little preview. I have Raf and Lockie from the Mind Muscle Project on to talk about the importance of journaling as an athlete. They are currently in the process of creating a training journal and have been immersing themselves in the practice of journaling and how to use it to reach your goals faster. So go subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss out on that episode. And of course, I am looking forward to seeing you back next week.